If you're a local government enthusiast who's looking for fresh conversations over a hot cup of morning coffee or tea or while you're driving or walking the dog, you do you. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Local Gov Cafe podcast, hosted by Susan Gardner and Ann Mitchell. This podcast is devoted to having conversations that matter, covering the full menu of municipal topics. You'll discover guests who bring insight and inspiration to the issues that drive and challenge communities. We'll be talking with leaders in policy, practice, consulting, and academia to put a spotlight on civic government and the people who make it all happen at the local level. I'm very pleased that we have Patricia Vincasey with us. Tricia has served as a local government manager in Massachusetts communities for 30 years. She is currently the first Northeast Regional Director for the International City County Management Association, ICMA, and is responsible for providing resources and support to local government officials from Maine to Maryland. She currently teaches in the Suffolk University MPA Certificate Program in the Moakley School of Public Management. Welcome, Tricia. Hi, it's great to be here. Great to have you with us. Now, Tricia, working in smaller or remote communities can be challenging, we know, for a variety of uh, reasons, with workforce being one of the top issues. Can you share with us some of the tactics that you've used to recruit and retain local government professionals in that challenging environment? Sure, I think one of the appealing things for smaller or more rural communities is the desire for many people post pandemic to live, have that work-life balance. And so living in a smaller community with having the ability to be able to maybe remote work is very appealing. Now, many communities didn't have broadband. We faced a real challenge, certainly in the States with many of our more geographically isolated and smaller communities not having that ability, but places like Vermont and other areas now can't keep up with the housing for so many people or people who had second homes have now moved there permanently with a different sort of life for their children or to be near parents or whatever. So that's helped a little bit, but smaller communities are always competing with larger urban areas where traditionally younger folks want to go after they graduate from school. It, It takes a combination of thinking outside the box for recruitment and maybe a different set of um, benefits in terms of flexible scheduling to give them the kind of lifestyle they want. It's certainly a different landscape than it was when I started working a few decades ago. Even coming out of the pandemic, many organizations have tried to uh, create hybrid positions and so on, or bring people more back into the office. In your experience, are many local governments still taking advantage of that opportunity to bring in talent via remote remote workers? It's been a mixed bag. I think in the final analysis, your success in recruiting and retaining qualified and competent team that stays is really come down to what they want an employer in terms of fulfilling their outside work life. So that's where the paradigm shift has really come. Where do you work to live or do you live to work? 
And so now we're really um, seeing the work to live. And so those communities that maybe can't adapt to saying, yes, you can work from home two days a week. Yes, you can bring your dog to work and find consistently that they're lead, you know, losing their number one candidate to maybe a nearby community or another area that's maybe similar may have to do some rethinking. Right. In smaller communities, and I've worked in a few smaller communities, there's close connections between staff and all the stakeholders, including politicians, local business community. Just give us some examples how you manage to deal with that, address it, overcome it. That's a good question. I don't know if I ever overcame it. Um, when I started my career, I, I did work being the first professional in the small community. They're very close-knit. And a woman said to me my first week, I've lived here 54 years and I'm still not considered a hometown-grown person. And I think rather than be uh, agitated to that, I think that's something you can embrace and share that and say, you're a great person then to mine the knowledge of what makes this a great community and why it's so charming and has so much great character. But I think the other piece of it is in any job, whether it's small or large, it takes time to build trust and credibility. And at the end of the day, if you're a hard worker and you lead by example, then other people respect that. Putting together documents, helping collate back when you had to Xerox things. I'm showing my age, I know. But being willing to do any job and not have that hierarchy of position of manager, support staff, um, I think that's what goes to show. But there were some, I'm not going to lie, there were some really hard times back then working in a small community where everybody just knows everybody and they're all related and you have to really watch what you say or do. Uh, um, but I think if you just... Uh, do your work, be professional, and really just see that as an asset in the community and not a negative, then it'll eventually work out. And it goes back to that expression, and I think it was George Cuff or some government professional who said tone at the top. So setting that professional expectation, and it gives the public and the stakeholders more trust in our local government entities too, I believe. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think we have a sense that people are watching us all the time. And especially when you're newer or first time manager, you don't have a sense of all of that because you're still trying to figure out your management style and your communications. And is this the right step for me? And we consumed about, do people like me? Do you want to be popular or do you want to be respected for doing the right thing and, and making the right decisions? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, too, our staff will echo our behavior that we see. And I always really love that line, every day is your job interview, so yeah. show up all yeah. the time. Yeah. I think it's even more because in a smaller community, you're under a microscope that much more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's especially true when the council isn't getting along. Many times where you see they were having issues among themselves, which they want to do when they're elected and they have that right, is if they saw the manager or the CEO there being professional and courteous and having the dignity, then they would know there was someone there that had the staff's back, that the community knew that there was somebody there that was the professional and writing the, the boat. And I think that's really important that we lead by example at all times, no matter how rough the, the sailing gets. 
So policies and procedures are critical in any organizational structure. Can you give us an outline of your philosophy and, and the practices that you've used? As I just said in the, in the session that we did, you, without them, you're lost. Because in terms of the effectiveness of your organization, you have to be able to point to a policy or a work rule to hold people accountable, but at the outset, to set expectations, because we really can't move forward unless we set expectations and then hold people accountable if for some reason they go awry. The challenge is it takes work because they're constantly changing and they constantly need updating and we're constantly getting new rules from the district or whatever. And it can be daunting and challenging. So that's where we fall down. But it's important work because people need a framework and it's a foundational building block for good management. And then the second piece of that is if you do all the work and you have a policy, you have to make sure people are interpreting it the same and people even know about it because the important piece is they have to be on notice about knowing about the policy. So if there's a violation or, or an omission, then that's how we hold them accountable. So I think it's one of the most important priorities we as a manager have to make sure we have it, even though it's tedious work. Yes. And it's one of the things through the pandemic we addressed was updating policies, because if you're on lockdown, what are you going to do? Because policy update, bylaw update is one of those things that we all need to do, but it always ends the a bottom of the to-do list, mm -hmm. I would say. And yet we're, we did it though. Think of how many policies policies you had to come up with, yes. remote work, uh, yes. use of technology equipment, right? Um, but we did it and we were so great at pivoting. And yet now we're easing back into business as usual. And we probably said when we had to go do those remote work policies or whatever, oh boy, we really need to be better at looking at these policies <laughs> and it's gone, like you said, right to right the to bottom of the pile yes. again. Yeah, that is so yeah. true. Yeah. Now, we, um, we know some people's personalities may lend themselves more to working in a large organization. Some people may do better in a smaller organization. What would you say are the, the key differences for people who may be thinking about making a career home in a smaller community, a smaller municipality? What are the differences between working in a small, small community versus a larger municipality. Wow, I, I'm probably going to show through my bias here because <laughs> I worked at both. The largest community I worked in was 150,000. And before I went, I talked to someone who had worked in a large city because I had mostly worked in mid-sized or very small communities. And they said, things get done a lot faster and you have a lot more resources, right? Because you have more staff and sure. more money, more grants and aid and things like that. I have to say, although I'm proudest of some of my work in a largest city because they have a lot of issues we don't tend to have in smaller communities. But my favorite job was in the smallest community. I think the relationships I formed there, I still in touch with folks years after I left. I think you can get things done a little faster because the scope is smaller and a project in a small community makes such a huge difference than one that's number nine or 12 in a really large community. Right. So that impact is much more lasting. It can take years and years sometimes to have a big project in a small community and it's changing the lifeblood of that community in a lot of ways. But in terms of 
a career path. If you're someone who likes a buffet and likes to be able to try everything that's on the buffet, then a small community is for you because you get to know about everything and learn about everything and be responsible for everything. Whereas if you're set in only two or three things, then we can be much more directed as maybe as a planner or something in a department in a very large community. But I learned so many things that years later, I would know so much about some very obscure esoteric thing. And people would say, how do you know about that? And I said, oh, I work for this really tiny community and I had to study up on it. So, And I live in a tiny community, so I guess that's my bias too. But I think so too. I've worked mostly in smaller rural remote. And the one thing I noticed too is even with your internal departments, the communication and the silo breaking down is so much easier when it's smaller. Like yeah. you said, you can pivot a lot easier yeah. too. And you can communicate everything so much better too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a much, I think, a much more cohesive. And people at least tended to stay longer too. A lot of folks lived in the community they worked in, maybe not so much more now, but you find that in more rural areas that you know, there's that connection to community that folks are there working now. As the jobs have become more and more complex, that's changed, but people still think too that that's the case, that everybody who lives there, works there, lives there. I have been blessed. I've had a really successful career in local government. I started um, very young. I was very fortunate. My first job in local government, I was a manager. Very young, but learned a lot. Uh, mostly from going to professional associations like this and others and meeting people that I could network with, that I could call upon <laughs> to really uh, learn things and support me when things got tough. Um, and it's a lot harder these days with uh, social media, I think. So I just have so much respect uh, for the work that managers and CAOs are doing now. But it's very rewarding work, and I'm happy to have been a part of it. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank yeah. you very much, Trisha. Thanks for joining us in the Local Gov Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share on social media or tell a friend. And we hope you'll join us next time as we welcome our next guest. You won't want to miss it.